Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning Podcast. This is review number 727 with a review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. I'm Chris Trishnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you. We are back now for another Marvel film. We're talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, you know, the the kickoff to this next phase of, of Marvel Let's, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about our history with uh, one, the uh, titular Ant-Man, Stephen Miller. How, what have you thought of the films leading up to now in this saga? Yeah, I've enjoyed the Ant-Man saga so far. Uh, Ant-Man 1, I definitely watched that in theaters. There's a lot of joy just living in San Francisco, watching Ant-Man in theaters here. A lot of laughs of recognition. That film took place entirely in the city and has a lot of fun, you know, throwing in landmarks. But I, Paul Rudd is wonderfully charismatic he's charming he's fun to watch and i felt like ant-man was really a good exercise in marvel showing that it could do different genres well and in this case it was doing kind of comedy kind of heist in in both senses it was um different than the broader mcu feeling it was willing to be small and funny and specific um ant-man and the wasp i feel like i watched it on a plane so I, I liked it, but I don't have the same kind of like visceral memory of how into it I was. It was more just like something to do. But I remember it again, feeling kind of light and trifling and exactly what I wanted from an Ant-Man movie, like a movie that is making fun of itself. Um, so, yeah, I've I've been a general Ant-Man fan. I've seen them as kind of the the reprieve of the MCU, like when the Infinity Saga was getting heavier and heavier, there would be an Ant-Man movie to go and remind you that you are watching a silly comic book and you don't have to take it too seriously. So overall, I've been I've been a fan. Yeah, I, mean, I think that like kind of the only reason I've kind of been a fan of it is because of Paul Rudd. Like Paul Rudd is sort of it like the in-universe grown-up version of Tom Holland's Spider-Man, right? Like Spider-Man mm-hmm. is this like, like, oh, shucks, isn't this awesome? I get to be in the Avengers. This is so cool. And and Paul Rudd is like, what if that kid, but a grown-up adult who never quite shook that that sort of like, it, it's one of those things too where like, as a kid, you're like, yeah, that kid is cool. And as an adult, yeah. you're like, it's kind of sad. <laughs> But I still, I still like this guy because he, he, he's just sort of, it's sort of like self-deprecating a little bit. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think that he's, he's sort of felt a little bit like a, like a B-tier uh, <laughs> superhero in the MCU. For sure, Ant-tier, um, really. Yeah, ant B- comes differently. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's the guy he was fighting in the last movie. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh but yeah they, they've always kind of been doing some fun stuff with the character in the world and just the idea of this guy who can shrink down to really, really small sizes and and where that gets him um next follow-up steven did you end up watching loki on disney plus i did not no i i did hear that loki would have been smart preparation for this movie but i did not do it uh, i was aware of the idea of kang before like i had read some explainer online but i have not seen a a minute of loki so that second post credit scene scene did absolutely nothing for me gotcha and you don't uh know how big uh kang's uh deltoids are <laughs> no though i feel like they are smaller than magazine dreams jonathan major's deltoids so i think we can safely <laughs> say that he 
he didn't film this concurrently with Mag Magazine Dreams. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, um, yeah. Are, are, are you excited to get in and talk about this film, Stephen? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I think. I, I think what I am curious about before we go into the review is what do you want out of an Ant-Man movie? Like, do you have expectations that you are looking for with something being Ant-Man or at this point in the MCU is everything, everything. And is that kind of what you expect from it? Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of maybe the problem I've had for maybe the last couple of films in, in a way. And that is like, you know, in the past, when we were in the, you know, low tens of Marvel films, it was mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, everything's got to lead up to something with at least one major scene playing into this, like, universal thing. And that has sort of become critical mass of, of where these films are going. So in a world where I haven't consumed all the other stuff and I'm not waiting for where these things are going, it's kind of like I, I, I it's impossible to to say fall into the the quantum realm and just exist there in my society of quantum realm people it's like yeah but this isn't just the quantum realm this is the kickoff of the next phase and there have been all these things teasing these characters and 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 where this is going to go and it's hard to not like i technically when i sit down for an ant-man film i have zero expectations i just want to have fun mm -hmm. with scott lang doing stupid stuff and hopefully maybe getting into some heisting um yeah but there is also this weight sitting on what these characters are trying to accomplish that in a way has to make sense to me like you know especially have being somebody who has watched the disney plus shows it's like you know with with uh dr strange and the multiverse of madness we just came off a film where multiverse like was pretty fucking important. And then yeah. we also came off a television show where a character uh, was very, very important to, to this kind of stuff. And then to have this character act as though those other things didn't exist felt wrong. And I couldn't get mm -hmm. into the fun, like Sam Raimi of it all because I was like, but what about all the shit you set up? <laughs> It yeah. sure as hell feels like you guys should be acknowledging that now and you don't seem to be acknowledging it properly. So it's kind of like th it, it, it's it's impossible for me to divorce the mm -hmm. juggernaut that is the MCU when I'm sitting down to watch any random film, unless it's something like a Thor where I'm like, oh, I get yeah. that this is a side story of him like romping around the universe doing his own thing kind of stuff. Yeah, makes sense. Ba basically, because I, I feel the same way. And I, I believe you are still an MCU completist. Have you seen Eternals and Black Widow? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I am not anymore. I have not seen either of those films or any of the Disney Plus shows. So I am really feeling the weight of context as a threat against my enjoyment of watching a movie. Because at any moment, it might collide with some context that I haven't been paying attention to anymore. So it's interesting watching these movies now because there isn't always a delight of discovery. There's a hearing the audience discover a thing and me being like, damn it, I have to look that up now. <laughs> the, the ironic thing is that like for all the films this entire time, there have been a segment of the audience that had that they were already doing that, but it was because they read comics, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and and now it's like it's been so absorbed into the culture that now there's like a second, another tier, a B tier. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Again, good to go back to that again, where it's like, 
oh, now I'm also not getting the other references that are not book knowledge, but are in fact television show knowledge and that stuff. So yeah, it's just gonna, yep. it's, it's never going to get better. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Anyways, let's go ahead and uh, get into this review. What do you say, Stephen? Let's do it. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania, and then come back and give everybody a review. You're an interesting man, Scott Lang. You're an Avenger. You have a daughter. But you've lost a lot of time, like me. We can help each other with that. Who are you? I'm the man who can give you the one thing you want. What's that? Time. It can rewrite existence and shatter timelines. You cannot trust him. I don't care who this guy is. I just lost so much. He can give us a second chance. Let me make this easy for you. You will bring me what I need. Or everything you call life will end. not want her to watch this. We had a deal. You thought you could win. I don't have to win. We both just have to lose. I'm sorry, Cassie. All right, so that was the trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Um, basically, uh, Ant-Man and his uh, little happy family, who have been reunited after previous films, uh, develop a little device that acts as a GPS to tunnel down to uh, the quantum realm, and something tunnels back up, sucks them down there, and they have to uh, deal with how they can possibly get home, which I think is the theme of many of <laughs> the Ant-Man films. Stephen Miller, what did you think of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? I think the title of the movie is a good analogy for the dilemma the movie is in. We, first, we had Ant-Man. Then we had Ant-Man and the Wasp. Now we have Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. They can never let go of anything. They can only accumulate <laughs> and accumulate and accumulate. You know, we didn't call it Captain America and Iron Man and Thor and Black Widow and Hawkeye and Spider-Man and Black Panther Civil War. Like, it was just <laughs> Captain America Civil War. And I think Marvel has hit a point where the weight of universe building is so big, like we talked about before the trailer, 
that it just crushes even the lightest movies under its weight. And that is what I felt when I was watching this. I really enjoyed the first five to ten minutes of this movie. Um, (laughs) When Scott Lang is in San Francisco, he's back to his old quips. The the guy from I Think You Should Leave is calling him Spider-Man by mistake. Um, he's at City Lights Bookstore and the audience is cheering. He's, you know, being goofy and lighthearted. He's his old self. And there are things to address in this movie. You know, the snap happened. His relationship with Cassie. He lost five years in the life of a teenage daughter. That That's huge, right? There, there are things in the Scott Lang universe that would be great to talk about. But we don't get that movie we get within i would say under 10 minutes single digit minutes we are in the quantum realm um or at least we are already talking about it and know that we are on our way there and my sense of the quantum realm is it was fine i i was never unhappy watching this movie i had a totally fine time it is a brisk two hours four minutes so it's significantly shorter than other marvel movies but it all passed right through me. Like, like when I look back now and try to say what was the arc of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, I don't have one. Like, without spoiling anything, it's basically they go to the quantum realm, people are there, it's okay. <laughs> like, like, I don't feel like any character has a thing that they grapple with. Like, the trailer... The trailer tries to put so many things into this movie that don't exist when you actually watch it. Um, Kang as the ultimate tempter. Kang is, you know, the snake in the Garden of Eden or whatever, saying, I can give you the one thing you want, you know. And characters are saying, he can rewrite existence. I don't care who this guy is. We've just lost so much. He can give us a second chance. That is not in the movie. Like, nothing is in the movie. (laughs) The movie is... They go to the quantum realm. There's this whole world here of resistance fighters that we never get to learn anything about, really. Kang is there, too, and a set piece occurs, and then the movie is over. Um, It just didn't feel like a cohesive story. It, It felt like it had to do so much work to tee up the next phase of Marvel that it forgot to do anything satisfying with the character of Scott Lang or with his family, you know? Um, there are things here where it it tries to be the, oh, we're getting closer together, we're learning about each other, we're forgiving each other, we learn more about Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Evangeline Lilly and Paul Rudd get to have moments together, but none of it, none of it feels like it exists anywhere. It just kind of feels like things that had to happen in a script so you could feel like you were getting the end of an arc without actually experiencing the arc anywhere. I think the the things the movie does well, it introduces Kang. I think it does a good job with that. Jonathan Majors is great. I might be bringing a good bit of Magazine Dreams baggage to his character already, <laughs> but I feel like he has this quiet intensity. He doesn't have to be menacing because he just, you know he is a threat very easily, and he toys with that by being kind seeming you know there are flashbacks there's an arc with michelle pfeiffer where we see him being just regular old guy and you know because of context and everything else that regular old guy is a menace and he's very good at doing that um i i think this does a decent job teeing up the threat that he will be in the universe even though logistically i don't 
I don't know if it is him or other ones of him. We we can get into that later. <laughs> I don't I don't totally have closure in what was going on there. Um, other things the movie does well. I think when it decides to be funny, it is funny. There's a recurring joke about Bill Murray's history with Michelle Pfeiffer that I laughed multiple times when it came up. I like that is the movie I want to be watching more of. Yeah, it is the movie that has this wackiness that is pointing out the comic book absurdity and having fun with the comic book absurdity rather than taking it seriously. I'm also going to say there's a character in this movie who I, people have not been spoiling who it is, so I won't either, mm. but I will say it is a comic relief character that comic book fans are aware of. I thought he was pretty funny. I was actually totally fine with him in the movie. I want to be watching the Ant-Man movie that has all of him, all of him and <laughs> guy who wants holes and silly Rick and Morty-ish type things being in this universe, because that is what I go to Ant-Man for. The problem is 90% of this movie is the quantum realm. There are people in rebellions. There's this deep history that we're going to learn about. Kang is an existential threat. What are you going to do? And I think the movie just doesn't bear the weight of all that i don't think it satisfies any of it and it makes it feel like it wasn't even worth going so i had a fine time in the moment with this movie but it is maybe the most nothing marvel movie i've seen so far uh, or at least it is down there in terms of the least consequential <laughs> marvel movies i've watched so it did not make me feel great about the future of marvel it makes me think they are really suffocating under the weight of the million universes that they have to support connecting at the same time but it, it was fine. Like all Marvel movies, I didn't hate it. I can't hate it because it's connected to other things that I like. So it forces me to be like, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll be back for more, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really, it really sucks to you that, that it makes you feel that way, given this is literally the kickoff to the next phase. So it's, it's just like, it's not starting. Like, I mean, at least, at least the bar is low. There's, there's room to grow mm -hmm. there, right? <laughs> Gotta look out yeah. for the little guy. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that the quality of this film is sort of all over the place. I think that that Jonathan Majors and Michelle Pfeiffer are in their own movie, yeah. which could itself be great. I would love to mm -hmm. watch their origin story and a film that ends with her realizing who he is and what he wants to do and then escaping the quantum realm. Like like what like I I, I would be 100% on board with just that story. I would also be 100% on board with if if Scott Lang uh coming out of of the quantum realm uh at, during like right as the snap just happened if if he would have instead of popping back out and only have having been there for 20 minutes was there for 30 years and I just watched the Disney Plus series of him meeting new groups of Rick and Morty type characters in the quantum realm yeah. each week was just a new new group of the week that he can meet that would be super awesome i think the problem is that these two these two realities do not meld well together um jonathan majors is amazing in this film and he's amazing it it actually makes me wonder about creed 3 because seeing Magazine Dreams and this so close together, he is really amazing at playing powerful people who are tortured by something yeah. and are like, you know that they are fierce, but they also have kind of regret or shame or something 
about them that they fear and that like they, they just play these he they he is playing this really really interesting tortured character in both of these films and in this one we get the idea that he is sort of like a kylo ren type of character in this universe yeah. but he feels bad about it like the the evil that he has done weighs on him and he has done it because he believes it was something that he had to do and and you see in every moment that he is on screen that that it, that it hurts him and that that he is doing this thing because he thinks that's what has to be done um and that is really really compelling the problem is you know and this is a very christopher thing to to complain about it but we don't ever see and really understand the the box that his powers live in mm-hmm. if i'm if i'm understanding correctly all the powerful shit he can do is just maybe his suit and not yeah. actually him he is not a being that possesses those abilities he just is is throughout time and has created a suit that makes him just like basically uh miss marvel or something right <laughs> or captain marvel yeah. um and that seems super weird because the entire film like our our introduction to him is and the reason why i make the reference to kylo ren is like our introduction to kylo ren right is is um uh oscar isaac's right oscar isaac yeah yeah uh fires that blaster at him and he like catches the bolt in air and you just go oh shit he didn't deflect the bolt he just stopped it in midair and he's holding it there for this entire scene you're like that guy is badass right you're like okay that was a cool force power in this he's just fucking throwing people around with force powers and you're like how is anybody in this movie going to fight him this is there's no reason why and then it, it gets even worse there are scenes where he is just He's just hopping out and obliterating tens of, if not hundreds of people instantly with like hand laser beam things. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is now to the point where he's not even just like a Thanos dude. He should be able to just wipe the, like there is, there is no amount of people you should be able to throw at him based on what I've just visually watched that could stop him because he would just go brum, brum, everything's gone right and i think that like when you're watching a film like that stakes go out out you know out the wazoo or whatever no the opposite they go out, out the air out there they go out the window yeah out the window stakes yeah. go out the window um Into they also the wazoo go of yeah, someone else up the wazoo out the window up yeah. the wazoo and uh um, over the big red hill <laughs> yeah um so it's just one of those things like the whole movie i kept going like this is this is kind of silly like how like we know he they like we expect that the heroes will win in the end but it feels like they've already lost before the start of anything so it's it's hard mm. to like get on board with where it's going also this character like if if you go back and watch the end of loki and you get like this huge monologue by him and you understand this being out of time and you're like okay this guy's fucking rad um he's sort of like the architect of the matrix in a way mm. um but with time instead of the multiple iterations of the matrix um in this film he talks as though he knows what will become but i don't feel the writing really communicates a character that fully understands what he is waiting for in these situations right like <clears throat> he like in theory the moment he crash lands he knows Michelle Pfeiffer is going to eventually figure out what he's up to and to betray him, but he's okay with that because he knows eventually the entire family of Scott Lang are going <laughs> to 
get sucked into the quantum realm well, way in the future, right? The, the, the film does not really communicate to me a character outside of time, but a character who talks about being able to go outside of time, which doesn't right. really meld that well for me either. And I think that this film just, it, it feels like I wish it would have been either more fantastical and fun and silly or more uh, not grounded, but like more sort of really wanting to deal with the ramifications of who this character is. Um, what I do kind of, I, honestly, I can't tell whether I like it or dislike it, but it's kind of like, if, if you remember like like Dragon Ball Z, right? Every season, there's a newer, bigger, badder boss who like nobody can possibly defeat until Goku like figures out a way to defeat him. And then the next season starts with an even bigger, badder boss showing up, right? Right. With what they're doing with Kang, we could kill Kang every single movie, and there's just going to be another Kang that could mm. be formidable in a completely different way, right? Like, <laughs> we get shots of yeah. potential different versions of Kang, and, like, it, it's kind of a, a fun idea to be like, hey, we can do anything we want, and we can kill him if we want. But it's okay because we could still have the same. It's kind of like, in a way, it's genius, and it's also sort of a cop yeah. out. But it's I, I'm interested to see what they're doing with it. But I just think that this film itself is sort of very, very muddy, and it was hard for me to accept any possible way to defeat the character that they presented to me in the first half of the film. Yep. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. I think. So you mentioned Jonathan Majors. His motivation as Kang is very interesting. And I didn't watch Loki, so I have only seen the little bit that we get in this movie. But he he references things when he's talking to Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, I wish those things mattered. I wish the people I killed mattered. I wish any of this mattered. But he's basically, like, forced into, like, effective altruism where he's, like, compared to the weight of all this stuff, nothing else really matters. And in that way, yeah. he he's like Thanos, right, where he is a person who thinks he is doing right and he is not taking pleasure in it. He is simply doing it. And that is compelling. And he sells it a as a character. Um, like Thanos, though, as you said, his powers are unclear. And I think this movie, one thing it suffers from is... Kang is overpowered and unclear, and Ant-Man is overpowered and unclear. You know, um, Ant-Man, in every Marvel movie, there's this trick up its sleeve where he might get really big and suddenly just <laughs> crush everything. And yet he doesn't for most of the movie in most of these times. Um, I, in, in this movie, you basically just have two forces up against each other that are totally undefined. Like, when is... Ant-Man punching Kang going to do anything and when is it going to be absolutely nothing? You know, when yeah. is Kang going to be distracted by five people fighting him at once and when are a million people fighting him at once? No problem because he just like, you know, moves his hand and they all fall down. Um, they they don't know how to establish the stakes here and I think that ambiguity exists for both hero and villain in a way that makes it really hard to think anything matters. I also think you mentioned the genius of Kang is they can have infinite variations of him so they can do whatever they want with him and the threat will be back in the next movie, the next episode. And that is both the genius and also I think the thing that makes Marvel be exhausting to me now is nothing matters <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Like, how can it matter? You're never going to get rid of the bad guy. You're never going to really kill the hero. There are multiple universes. There are multiple hacks. There are... 
deus ex machinas that can happen at any given time that stop the big bad thing from occurring what <laughs> what is the grand vision that i am watching with bated breath to see unfold like i i just feel like they've built this hack that they can't get out of now that makes everything be weightless and yeah. i i have trouble following a movie like that but, but then again steven just while you were like saying it back to me i just realized that they did this already it was called ultron <laughs> mm. <laughs> right because that was basically just if gang was robots it was all yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It, it, it was the same idea. I mean, I mean, they're. I just think they're running out of ideas. Basically, I'm not. I'm not seeing a lot of new stuff from Marvel, and I'm not really blaming because the. The thing is, I don't think they can go bigger. I think the only new ideas they could have are to go smaller, more specific, <laughs> that's and they literally can't do what that. they did. <laughs> okay. Okay. By technicality, but that, that's the thing. That's a nitpick. They're in the quantum realm. I remember from the first Ant Man. The idea of the quantum realm is this terrifying thing. Like, you go there and you can't go back, and time flows differently, and you lose track of yourself, and, you know, you're too small, you're too tiny. This quantum realm just feels like the regular world again, including the same rules about when they're big, they get hungry easier. Yeah. <laughs> and when they're small, they have more speed and less momentum. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it, it just, nothing like it. feels well, shrunk down about this movie, basically. I, I didn't even think about that until you just said that. When he gets big, he's actually just getting less small because he's still yeah, smaller he's than normal size Scott Lang. So, mm. so no matter how big he gets, unless he gets human size, it should, it should yeah. not require any more metabolism or anything from him because it's not... Unless there's like some sort of time thing that happens where w once you've stayed at one state for long enough all of your shrunken atoms then like acclimate to that level and now yeah, you, you become equalized to that that size and speaking of time they, they've established for reasons i scientifically don't understand <laughs> that the quantum realm basically exists outside of time i think because that is that is where kang is and he's basically been banished from time yeah, but wasn't when Scott got stuck there during the snap and then came back? Wasn't it like time dilation? Like he he experienced one minute in the quantum realm, but five years had passed. So and no, if that is true, what did Michelle Pfeiffer experience? Because it sure seems like she had thirty years to match the thirty years on the outside. So he, I believe, he goes in. And then exits the second the snap happens. So it's like the snap happens and then he exits. So he could have been snapped, but he wasn't in our reality at the time. So I think he is just mm. back during that. So I think he was literally only in there for like, I think he gets, I think he's in there for a little bit because the people who are about to pull him back out got snapped. <laughs> so yeah. he's in there for a little bit longer than he should be. But I, 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 I don't. I don't, he wasn't there long enough to live 30 years of his time. I think, yeah, I don't know if, if the time dilation works in both directions and reverse, depending on what you're mm -hmm. doing. I, I, I don't understand how it works. But. Yeah. For, for some reason, I felt like there was a gag where he hops out and it's as if no time has occurred, but years have passed or something. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just hallucinated that. I, I truly can't even remember when the last time I saw him and was the, all of these stories are blurring together now. Yeah. I just know that he was in and then he was out. Um, 
I think what frustrates me most is Michelle, like you said, Michelle Pfeiffer and Jonathan Majors are in a different movie and they're in a really good movie, potentially. Like they're yeah. they're selling it. And Michelle Pfeiffer has this deep history that is, I would say, revealed enough in the trailer that we can talk about it, where she was not alone for 30 years. She was living in a whole world down there. There was yeah. a movement. There were resistance fighters. There are people. There's a language. There's a custom everything going on. And I feel like the movie introduces us to that as if it is going to be the thing that we are going to spend two hours exploring. And then just no one asks her any follow-up questions. <laughs> and then we just never do anything else with it. It, I, I feel like they treat it very, very weirdly, more like a TV show where you're going to have, you know, nine more episodes later to unpack more of the details. But the I mean, movie just ends and we haven't unpacked anything. It, it definitely feels a little bit, though. And, and I think, too, I think the thing that we're forgetting is that when we first when we first start following these characters, Michelle Pfeiffer has been gone. Right. Like Hank Pym's mm -hmm. whole thing is figuring out a way to get her back. So no matter yeah. how time dilation works, like she was literally gone for all this time. Yeah. So so that that makes sense. But I think that. I think that somebody who went through this thing that was theoretically traumatic to everybody who thinks that the that entire universe is just nothingness is sort of trying not to trigger her potential like PTSD or something like I think it's just a situation where it's like mom's back we don't talk about it <laughs> you know that sort of thing so it it didn't fully bother me that she wouldn't say it like I actually like the initial thing of of like, oh, let's see what our daughter or our, my granddaughter made with her little science experiment. And then she's like, wait, you're signaling oh, the no. fuck. Like, I, I like yeah. everything up to that. Once you're down there holding your cards so close to the vest when like literally people's lives can depend on it feels a little stupid. Like, yep. <laughs> like, just tell the people what they need to know then. Um, but, but it's yeah, also and just narratively unsatisfying because I feel like. There's a world where this is Avatar and we've just gone underwater and there's this whole new world that we can explore and we just spend an hour learning about the quantum realm and the rules of the quantum realm and the customs and the different types of people and creatures and all that. And we don't. I, if we did, I fell asleep, I guess, because I don't remember <laughs> learning anything about anything. I, um, uh, you, you, we learned to drink the ooze. We learned uh, yeah. that you can drink the other slimy tentacled things um in the drink um and mm -hmm. uh i think that's that's mostly it holes yeah <laughs> and and to me it kind of culminates again i i would give a spoiler warning but i think this is too bland and vague to spoil um there's a moment toward the end of the movie where cassie gives an impassioned speech it's basically a rise of skywalker moment you know of like rallying the troops <laughs> And I have never felt less in any of these movies in my entire life than watching Cassie give a rousing speech to a group of people we've not been told to care about for reasons we've not been told to do a thing that we don't care about to upend a history that we don't know anything about. Yeah. Like it just feels like the movie shorthands its way through the whole thing. And that is just, um, I, I don't know. It, it just feels like a wasted opportunity. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. So we, we don't know where all these various groups of people are. They also people who in their own times and worlds got banished to the quantum realm as well. 
did they all discover the quantum realm end up there and then they've been like procreating in the quantum realm and creating entire societies of people i do like the idea though of like kang being out of time going like mm -hmm. okay i know i'm going to get out of here in 30 years maybe i'll just start building a bunch of shit for 30 years so that yeah. when i finally get out i can take all of that it's it's like it, it's like imagine if a guy knew that he was going to be able to get out of his like space prison and he could build like all the ships from independence day right mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like why would you not build a conquering force to go do this thing like it's you have you literally all you have is time and you know that yeah. you can do it and, and so like I, I love those ideas like they are cool um i i just don't understand um also his suit seems pretty powerful. Do you really need do you really need Ant-Man to to change the size of your warp core? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Speaking of Ant-Man, I really thought the one Ant-Man Peyton Reed jokey type thing they were going to do in this movie, I kept waiting for it. Is there was a fan theory you probably recall about how the Avengers could defeat Thanos. It, it was a fan theory back during <laughs> Infinity War um, that Ant-Man could get really small. Go in somewhere. Go into <laughs> one of the holes. I'm not going to say which one, um, but, you know, Thanos also has seven, I believe. Um, <laughs> and then get really big. And that <laughs> and that, that would be a... Uh, a viable way to kill him. I, there were multiple times in this movie where they could have used that joke to have him do a KO of some sort, and they never did it, and it just disappointed me because I felt like this would be the perfect time to do the little bit of fan service or comment yeah. on the commentary or whatever, and uh, they didn't do it. I think... Because they could have done the other thing, too, um, where, like, I remember Infinity War feeling like a sudden... All of these jokey, quippy, Joss Whedon-y characters are hitting this brick wall of shit. People are dying. Things are hopeless. What are we going to do? Like running into a darkness that they aren't used to. And this could have been that, right? If Jonathan Majors and Michelle Pfeiffer are in a dark, serious movie, you could have it where Scott Lang is jokey and quippy and being his usual self for the first hour of the movie. And then he runs into this force that is so dark and terrifying, he can't escape it. And that could be the way the movie feels, but it it doesn't. It just feels like they're trying to glue the tones together and play both sides at the same time. And to me, that just doesn't satisfy either. Yeah, and, and I think too that what, what this film, like on you know on that same note, is what this film is missing is Kang needs Lang <laughs> to, to get his thing. There right. isn't there isn't a world in which Lang doesn't think that Kang could possibly be bad, right? Like he knows from the beginning. It would be a more interesting world if if Scott was actually tempted, like you said, the trailer sort of makes it out to be, where he's like, Hey, I'm gonna do this thing for this guy. I have no idea what the consequences are for it. And then he is fighting like Michelle Pfeiffer or something because she knows how it is. He's like, no, he's gonna give me my five years I lost with Cassie. I need to do this. But mm -hmm. this film, like, either that was completely edited out or somebody edited together a trailer to make it seem like that was what the story was gonna be. But like, if there was some sort of thing where, like, Ant Man 
doesn't know whether what he's doing is a bad guy thing or just helping somebody out who can help him out. Like if it's a mutual, Mm. hey, we're all stuck here. The way that Michelle Pfeiffer was first there, right? Imagine if they get separated. It's been a while. He shows up with this guy. He's like, hey, my ship crashed. Uh, That's my warp core. Uh, Could you help me uh, get it? You seem to have a suit with powers. And then he was going to do it. And it's not until after he gets it that he realizes, no, don't give him the time stone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like we're missing that from the story. And it's like he knows the guy's super evil. The guy's basically like, yo, I'm going to kill your daughter and make you watch it over and over for all eternity. <laughs> if you don't do this thing for me, there's there's no conflict yeah. there other than like, hey, I got to do this thing because I don't want to see that really, really bad thing that he just said. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I think I want Kang to be more like Hallbrand in uh, Rings of Power or something. I want <laughs> I want him to be the soothsayer who tricks people into doing his will, and then at the end of the movie is revealed to be the big bad. <laughs> at the um, end of the movie, just fucks off to his own <laughs> exactly his own mountain. That's what I want. But damn, does he look good doing it? <laughs> oh yes, I have had many names. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh, anything else to chat about on this film, Stephen? No, I think in general, if I look back on Phase Four, is that the phase we were in? Phase Five? I don't even remember how the phases go. Um, I don't remember either. If I look back on the phases, <laughs> my favorite was Shang Chi. I would say by by a pretty significant margin of of the post End Game phase because that was its own movie that had its own point of view and it was very fun at doing it um but i look at things like doctor strange and the multiverse of madness and i think that was not an entirely successful movie but it did what i think ant-man quantumania could have done which was pick a lane like that movie picked the goofy cartoony nothing has real consequences lane yeah and at least it had an ethos you know (laughs) um thor honestly i think thor love and thunder is my least favorite of any of these movies that one just irritated me (laughs) from from beginning to end but this movie i don't know it's just it's caught in between a bunch of different tones and I, i i think there's an identity crisis happening at marvel and i hope they snap out of it and give me Fun by whatever definition they choose, but pick one definition. Don't pick like eight definitions at the same time. Yeah, Stephen, half these characters got snapped into it. Like, <laughs> they mm, don't want to snap out of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I may just see where it's going. I, I think probably part of my biggest disappointment with with all these last few stories is I'm really into timey wimey dimensiony shit and mm-hmm. i feel like these films all playing in it and then not doing what i want them to do in it is is what really hurts me the most where i'm like yeah. you're it's right there just fucking show me that you know how to play in this space and instead yeah, they have to it's do the kind same of weird stuff. that other than end game no one has really done the time angle as far as I know, even though that is the most obviously ripe for adventures and paradoxes and kind of fun, silly things. I feel like they're not 
they're they're just like leaving money on the floor. <laughs> I, I don't really know why they're not doing more with that. Yeah, I mean, and and, and to be fair, I, I I I kind of lump time stuff and dimension stuff sort of together in a way where you can do enough there and play in those those areas that make it that 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 make it fun and you can do really really interesting things too with basically eventualities being different is the thing that i really Mm -hmm. really like whether it's literal time travel or just what if there's a dimension where people made other choices than me or different choices like that's really really cool and you should watch loki it's it's rad it's Mm. it's really really good (laughs) but does it matter that, that's what I'm wondering. Like all of these multiverse things makes me wonder if the plot matters at all. So there is enough world building and looking, lo- looking, <laughs> looking for trouble. Uh, yeah. there, there's there's enough there's enough world building there that I think it stands on its own, even though it feels like it's introducing us to this whole bigger universe of stuff. And then these other films sort of just shit the bed as far as like continuing that forward. But I think on its own it feels like a really really interesting uh story that that i i thought was really really fun and mm-hmm. and i wholeheartedly recommend all right so you're saying it's low-key great i'll, yep. I'll give it a try it's low-key great um <laughs> uh, but steven is it time for us to figure out if this film is low-key great sure is all right Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? This is going to pass with a caveat for me. This movie, it was fine. And honestly, if this was a random little indie that came out of nowhere on a shoestring budget, I would be like, look, you didn't add up to a lot, but you entertained me. Wait for rental. You know, I, w- I would be kind to it, but it isn't that. This is the biggest thing in the world. This is like <laughs> the creator of culture. And I, I just feel like the the fact that minutes after leaving the theater, I had no, not even I had no thought in my head about the movie, but I had no feeling lingering about the movie is a bad sign for the franchise. So I feel like Nothing was very consequential. It sounds like you could have met Kang without watching this movie. So I truly don't think this movie does anything. <laughs> Some um, people did meet Kang without watching this movie. Exactly. Um, so I guess go watch Loki instead, which I'm, I have on good authority is Loki great. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, as we've done this podcast... Marvel films have sort of broken the review scale for me. Um, like almost all the films come out as basically a recommend with a caveat because either they're either must sees or they're recommends with a caveat. I think what think with this film, it feels inconsequential and it has to get knocked down to a wait for rental. Um, it's something that like you will probably need to see eventually. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But there is enough other stuff dealing with these characters that gets you most of the way there that's far better than this and i think that this film is something that you that you can sleep on a little bit um maybe maybe pop into the quantum realm for 30 years and then come back out and give it a watch uh but yeah unfortunately this film did not uh did not uh i don't i don't know where i was gonna go with it but it it just didn't didn't quite get me there so yeah the cat the cat isn't alive or dead the cat is just boring yeah (laughs) That is true. 
All right, that is going to do it for this review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us quickly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from artlist.io, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that's it for our Marvel talk. But we have one more trilogy to talk about. We're about to take off and go record a review of Magic Mike's last... Magic Mike? The Last Dance? Hit Magic Mike's Last Dance. What, what the hell is this movie called? <laughs> Magic Mike's Last Dance. <laughs> All right. See you there, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.